Welcome back. You're listening to This Week. The country's main nursing union, the INMO, has said that it will immediately engage with members with a view to a ballot for industrial action after the HSE announced an extension of its recruitment freeze. The ban already in place since last month has been extended to all categories of staff with the exception of consultants and doctors in training and graduate nurses and midwives. We're joined in studio now by the Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly. Minister, good afternoon and welcome to the programme. Good afternoon, Justin. Thanks for having me. Do you support this recruitment freeze? Uh, yes, I do. So I, I think the context for this is important. Uh, this is the third year of record recruitment into the HSE in a row. The target for this year was 6,100. There were people who said we wouldn't be able to reach that. It was a very ambitious target. And the HSC is now has either met uh, that target in, in all of its categories or in, in some cases slightly exceeded it. Uh, so... What we're saying now is we have fully uh, filled or exceeded the number of funded posts and so there isn't any more space for uh, recruitment of those posts this year. There are still around 2,800 funded nursing and midwifery positions across the health sector that have not been filled according to the INMO uh, and which they say are needed to ensure safe staffing levels. Are those positions on hold now? The INMO has led the charge on this safe staffing framework, uh, which is one that I fully support and government fully supports, and they deserve great credit for it. Uh, The safe staffing framework will put Ireland as one of the leading countries in the world in terms of having the right number of nurses Mm. in emergency departments. Those those 2,800 nurses, what's going to happen to those posts now? The the safe staffing framework, we have protected the full rollout of safe staffing uh, right across the country in every hospital, in every ward and in every uh, emergency department. We, We have... Uh, versus when this government came in, Justin, we have about 7,000 more nurses working in the system. Okay, but I just want to to zone in on this for a second. Are you saying that those posts, the 2,800 funded nursing posts that haven't been filled, that those are protected? They are not included in the recruitment freeze? What I'm saying is that uh, any nursing post that is involved in the safe staffing framework uh, will be filled next year. Uh, there, there are uh, several hundred of those around the country that still need to uh, need to be. Are they to be subject filled. to the recruitment freeze or not? Uh, yes, they are for now, but because we have reached our funded target. So, Justin, this is the same as uh, a school principal saying you can hire this many teachers. The principal hires that many teachers and then I think we all understand that they can't hire any more teachers until they are funded. So what we're saying very clearly is there is now a freeze in place, uh, not across the board, so we're continuing to hire consultants. We will be rolling out next year safe staffing uh, to all hospitals. Uh, We'll be honouring all of the offers made to uh, graduating student nurses. And on top of that, we've gone to great lengths to protect uh, a significant number of additional advanced nurse training places for next year as well. About uh, two thirds of our newly registered nurses last year came from overseas. Is the recruitment uh, of nurses from overseas stopped now as a result of this freeze? Nursing recruitment, the, the embargo doesn't uh, doesn't uh, look to where a nurse is where a nurse is trained. We have a lot of international nurses coming in, but what we're saying is. Uh, any contracts that have been signed will be will be honoured. The advanced nurse training for next year will be honoured, uh, and safe staffing for next year will be f- will be fully completed as well. But yeah, but when you the recruitment process takes a long time to do when you when you're recruiting nurses from overseas. So if we're stopping them now, if we if if we cannot go overseas to recruit nurses now because of this ban, it means they're not going to come next year. 
Well, certainly that has not been the experience over the last three years. So we haven't had a recruitment freeze. Well, we, the only reason we have one is because the HSE has actually recruited uh, more healthcare professionals than it was funded for. So again, you know, people talk about uh, uh, recruitment crises and so forth. And whilst it is the case that in individual uh, clinical settings, it can be hard to find people. This is the third year of record recruitment in a row. We've, we've an extra 23,000 healthcare professionals. Nearly one in three of them are nurses in the system. And because the HSC has done better uh, than was forecast in terms of recruiting, uh, the chief executive, with my, with my full support, has said that uh, we must stick to the funded posts. But you said to Irish nurses working overseas, you want them to come home and work here. Uh, are you telling them not to come now? That's not what we're saying at all. What we're saying is we have we have reached or slightly exceeded the number we're funded for for this year. So we can't hire any more this year. Uh, next year, we're going to be increasing the HSE workforce by about 2,200 and many of those will be nurses. So we will uh, be looking to hire the graduate nurses coming out of college and of course we will again uh, be looking abroad uh, for more nurses to come to, in. I want to ask you about the budget, the health budget. Do you agree with Bernard Gloucester, the head of the HSE, that the budget for next year is not adequate. The budget for next year will be challenging and what Bernard said and what I said in terms of the budget is if patient demand increases uh, in in a similar vein to this year uh, if uh, healthcare expenses were to go up, uh, inflation at a similar level to this year, then a supplementary uh, would be needed. But it is important to say that we have a 22.5 billion euro budget. The budget package for this year is 2 billion euro. Uh, That's allowing us an extra 162 hospital beds, 22 critical care beds, six surgical hubs, uh, an increase in the workforce that we've talked about, the ongoing rollout of of, uh, patient services like in CAMS, diabetes, gynaecology, uh, ge- uh, genetics, bariatrics uh, and, and other uh, but, as well. But the, the, the budget, the HSE service plan for, for next year is going to um, have a built-in deficit uh, involved in it. The first time that that's ever happened. Um, that just makes a mockery of the health budget, doesn't it? I mean, because it means that you're, 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 you're guaranteeing that you're going to need a bailout next year. The health budget is a complete fiction. It's not. What we're signalling this year, which is exactly what we signalled last year, is that if patient demand grows ahead of funding and if inflation grows ahead of funding, uh, then a supplementary budget would be required. But this year, the HSC has treated more patients than ever before. Next year, we'll treat more patients than that again. The result of this is that the waiting lists are falling, uh, the costs for patients are being radically reduced, new services are being rolled out, and we're going to keep going with that progress next year. And But it will be challenging. And unfortunately, at this point of the year, it's very hard to predict the very significant patient uh, surge we saw this year. Will that continue into next year? Or was that linked to unmet need during COVID? We're hearing, for example, that energy prices might, uh, might fall next year, whereas this year, obviously, they went up. You're announcing today more than 1,000 uh, consultants have signed the new public-only contract, uh, the Slauncher Care contract. Um, it, that's obviously welcome news uh, from from your point of view. Um, will will these uh, consultants be working across seven days? As we know, uh, weekends are a pinch point, especially in our emergency departments. The contract is one of the measures we're taking to move from a largely five-day-a-week hospital service to seven days. Now, we know that a lot of healthcare professionals obviously are in the hospitals at the weekend. But in order to provide the best possible service for patients, in order to... 
get rid of this scourge we've had for years of patients on trolleys. We do need to move to a seven-day-a-week service. Can I say it's very positive to see we've over a thousand consultants have now signed up to the new contract and there's hundreds more in train. We're, we're ahead of target. And it's important for a few reasons. First and foremost, this contract is about patients. It's about making sure that patients can get the care they need when they need it. Secondly, it's a really attractive uh, consultant contract for consultants, both home and abroad. We've had a lot of interest. We're ahead of target in signing up. And thirdly, Justin, what we're seeing now with the sign up of these thousand consultants and more is part of a long-awaited expansion in the number of consultants. So just to give your listeners a sense, in 2019, we had about 2,600 consultants in permanent posts. We've gone from 2,600 to 3,500, and I've set a target that we get to 6,000 in the next seven years. All right, before I let you go, Minister, um, we, we, as you've heard there, we broadcast an interview with the writer Graeme Lenehan, and he voiced very strong objections about transgender activists and the influence they have on policy. We have heard people in the medical profession here too also voice concerns about the influence that activist groups have on how policy is formed in this area. What what do you say to them? The activists have an important role to play. We are talking about a very small community, a very small number of people, um, many of whom are very vulnerable, many of whom are targeted Um, with awful hatred and bigotry and intolerance. What I've seen is is this group of people being used by the far right uh, to to divide people, to to create all sorts of um, very divisive conversations. I know you're not suggesting that our contributor falls into that category uh, or or anything like that, or or at least um, I'm giving you the opportunity to say that, Minister. Um, But but what what do you say uh, to people who who believe the, um, the, 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 the voice of activists is overly influential in how policy is created. Yeah, my, my comments are not about your, your contributor earlier on, though I listened very uh, carefully to the interview. And I know people, transgender people, who will have found the, the, those comments and do find comments like that deeply offensive, uh, deeply hurtful. Uh, I've met with the representative bodies, with the advocacy bodies. They are an important voice. I've always found them to be very reasonable. Their main ask of me and of government is to make sure that transgender people have the healthcare services they need in Ireland. And really, that is our objective. Minister for Health, Stephen Donnelly, thank you for talking to us today. Thank you.